No, no, no. Oh, he's got the microphone. Okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> Do you have something to say, Xavier? Something Always. to share with the, with the listeners? I don't know if you've noticed that part. So it's not so much the saying, it's the moving. I'm Anne McNamee-Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed. A podcast about growing up Catholic. And what are we talking about today? Today we are sharing some funny Catholic stories. I cannot wait because they're not always very funny. So <laughs> It's true. Some of these, I will say some of these toe the line a little bit. It's a little, oh, is it funny? Is it traumatic? So many people I know friends were like I've got stories but they're not funny and I was like just send them to me and they're like no I'm not it's so. one of those things you know the like tragedy plus time equals humor I feel like a couple of these fall into that type of a situation but maybe in the depths of winter we'll put a call out for our not funny <laughs> stories and just like indulge in the darkness traumatizing stories let's just all get under our cozy blankets and <laughs> heal we'll say a reminder for folks that we love to hear from you just like we heard from some of you today so uh you can reach out to us lapspodcast.com it's lapspodcast at gmail.com we are on instagram facebook and 5056 laps do leave us a voicemail we totally love it when you do please i love your voices it's great great to hear from listeners before we delve in we should do our last catholicism in the news for 2022 a lot has happened. It really has. A lot has happened this year for all of us. Do you have any Catholicism in the news? This is not so much Catholicism in the news. It's like things this week that made me think about our show and Catholicism. Yay! <laughs> so the first is that I have been watching the full new Harry and Meghan documentary series. Oh, wow. I, didn't, I don't do royals much. So how was it? Well, they don't do royals much these days. This which is, is true. Why I, I actually like have them. more in common with <laughs> I am a I'm a Harry and Meghan fan overall, and Meghan Markle went to an all girls Catholic high school. Oh, and wore a white dress to her graduation, which oh is an experience I share. And then she went on to the Northwestern Theater Department, and you know who else did that? Me. We're basically the same, is what I'm saying. Me and Meghan Markle. Oh. <laughs> She was just a couple years ahead of me. We knew some of the same people, which I think is why I have a little bit of love for her. But uh, she, we were not, we did not overlap there. But she had like just graduated when I got to Northwestern Theater Department. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of the Northwestern Theater folks did know her. And yeah, when she mentioned, I think it was like Immaculate Heart High School. I was like, "Ooh, that sounds like something uh, yeah. that I." So yeah, she went okay. to like a little. It looks like kind of a hippy dippy elementary school, you know, very California, and then all girls Catholic high school. She didn't talk. She talked. The couple mentions she made of high school were like positive kind of things. So you know, maybe I don't know. Okay. Maybe she's got some funny Catholic stories. I bet I'm she sure does. Sure, she's listening to our podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Megan, we know you're uh, listening. <laughs> yeah, she's got to be, right? Yeah. With that background. Oh, wow. Okay. Of Very course. interesting. I enjoyed that documentary series, so. Okay. I've heard people are watching it, so it must be good. 
And then the other thing that I'm watching, this is basically like things Anne is watching and how it relates to our <laughs> podcast. A, are these your recommendations as well? There's one I'm going to hold on to for recommendations. This relates directly to our last episode about nativities and the Christmas story. Okay. My husband and I are watching Kindred, which is an adaptation of Octavia Butler's oh, novel. I want to watch that. I love her. I read the novel and like I was like oh I haven't read that one yet I that Octavia Butler I should I read it in like two days it's really good and then I started the series the series is a little different than the book but they made a reference at one point so I don't feel like this is really a spoiler there are parts of the story that happen in the antebellum south and it's like a pretty brutal thing to watch but also just really well done But there's a moment where this white woman, this enslaver white woman, she talks about celebrating Christmas, kind of acting out, acting out the Christmas story. And she says uh-huh. like, oh, I know no one really celebrates Christmas, but it's kind of silly. But like, I just want to I want to do this little thing. And so I was like, huh, my husband and I were both like, huh, nobody celebrates Christmas. So I looked it up. People didn't really celebrate Christmas much in America till like the late 1800s. Wow. So this is what I found. This is from classicalhistorian.com. So in Britain, Christmas is celebrated, was celebrated until the Puritans, those goddamn Puritans, led by Oliver Cromwell, outlawed Christmas in 1645. Oh, right. Because it was too like pagan or something. You know, too happy, I guess. (laughs) They believe that celebrating the birth of Christ was a sign of decadence and a disgrace to Christianity. I've heard this phrase somewhere else, but it's like for all the people who are like, oh, no, you're canceling Christmas by saying happy holidays. The only people who have ever canceled Christmas are Christians. Are the Christians. The real and the like the Puritan, like the who came to America and then made Christianity what it is here. But one fun part. And they're like, no, no, no fun. Never. God is not fun. In the 1800s, Americans' views on Christmas changed. One author, so Washington Irving wrote fictitious stories of how Christmas had been celebrated in England before the Puritans took over, and those stories caught on, and people were like, oh, that sounds fun. Then the German immigrants, it comes back to our Christmas trees. They brought the practice of placing evergreen branches and trees in homes during winter as a reminder of life. And then Mm -hmm. Catholics, the Catholic immigrants brought the tradition started by St. Francis of keeping a nativity. Oh. So the Catholics helped bring Christmas to America, apparently. And then it says, by the late 1800s, most Americans celebrated Christmas. In 1870, President Grant and Congress declared Christmas a national holiday. 1870. That feels funny, too, because that's like in an era when Catholics are considered like not uh, ideal immigrants. No. It happens to this day. Like, right, the people who are oppressed, their traditions are stolen and music and mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. All, you know? It's funny. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. <laughs> we don't like you, but we're taking this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the nativity, I love that this thing was like, oh, yeah, St. Francis and the nativity. And I was like, how did I never know this? And suddenly That's funny. everyone's like, yeah, of course it's the St. Francis's thing. Okay. The more you know. TV's teaching you a lot right now. I'm really (laughs) – I'll read a book, I swear, but TV (laughs) – I'm learning things. All right. What do you have for Catholicism in the news? Well, um, so first of all, I had this article from The Guardian. The headline caught my attention, which was Pope Francis reveals he wrote resignation letter in 2013 in case of ill health. Oh, oh man. He's just feeding the conspiracy theorists. Right. But it's he's really funny about it in this article, which is great. He says uh, he wrote his resignation letter in 2013 just in case 
he talks a little bit about admiring Benedict's ability to know when to leave. So he said this before a few times. One governs with the head, not the knee, which is his go-to for every time someone's like, you just had knee surgery, father. Do you mm. think you can still be the Pope? He's like, my ideas are not coming from my knees. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> he gave his note to Cardinal Tarsicio Bertone. I'm sure that's a real bad pronunciation sure. of this person's Whatever. name. I apologize. He's the Vatican Secretary of State. I feel like we've talked about him before. I think so. But anyway, so he has this letter that in case something needs to happen, it's his resignation letter. So now the Pope is joking that like now that he's told everyone that everyone's going to be coming, running up to Bertone, Bertone maybe, and be like, ah, oh, so that letter, can I have it? Can I just have it? That's a funny and probably pragmatic old person thing to do to be like, listen, I could be in rough shape and not be right. able to make, the- you know what this reminds me of? <laughs> What? Maybe it's an old Catholic person thing to do. My grandma, when she, this is probably like 10 years before she actually died. Uh, when she got elderly, she started doing birthday cards way ahead of time and putting money in them. Yes. And told my mom and my aunt and me where they were in case she died. So just in case she died right before someone's birthday, there would still be a thing there. It's just like, listen, just hedging my bets. Something bad could happen. My grandma did that. Really? I got, so she wrote a year's worth of birthday cards. <laughs> she died at the end of March, beginning of April, and my birthday's in July, and I got a card from her in the mail, and I was like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Oh so my she gosh. never spelled my name right. I mean, she didn't graduate high school, <laughs> um, but she always spelled it Stephane. But like, I got this card with that spelling and her handwriting months oh my after gosh. she died, and I was like, <laughs> no one gave you a heads up that they were sending no! that. So like, yeah, she just did this, and we're sending them out to everybody. It's like, could you? Oh my, a little like, bit of a heads Lord. up. Oh my gosh, I don't think I didn't end up getting the timing. I didn't end up getting one, but it's just this seems like an old Catholic person thing to be like, you know what? I could be incapacitated. I could be dead. I mean, obviously, if the Pope was dead, he would be done. But like, I could be incapacitated. So let's just. I'm so happy to you that you told me your grandmother did this too, that it's like actually a thing now. Okay. And when I, she told me about it and I laughed, I was like, grandma, I think people will understand if they don't get a birthday card from you and you're dead. Nope. Like I think, and she was like, she was like, aunt Alice is what she said. Cause her aunts were still living, whatever. They were very young compared to her mom. And she was like, aunt Alice, I got a card after she died and it was so nice. And I thought, well, that probably was nice. So, okay. you know, I understand. Sure. I understand. It was nice that she was prepared, but I- it almost set me up for the expectations, like, well, maybe next year I'm going to get right. one. Right, <laughs> still get one. But it was, it was only one year's worth. But. Oh, man. These old Catholic people, it's like they've, they're they they're all tuned into the same something. I love it. She used to, uh, greeting cards, she didn't ever wrote anything extra in them, but she underlined the words. Oh, I think my grandma did that, too. But not just the words. She liked every word <laughs> in the card was underlined. <laughs> Like, she's like, I would say this just this way. The Hallmark has it on lock. Love, Grandma. Like, guys, man, I miss her. Oh, man. Yeah. The Catholic grandmas. It's hard. It's hard. I do. I think around the holidays, this is is when the the grandparents, you know, this is their time. It's true. It's true. Okay. So do you have your phone handy? Uh, Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. I'm going to send you a picture. I just want you to tell me what you see. Okay. Okay. There is a man. Looks like a priest. He's wearing a flat 
brimmed kind of hat that I've uh-huh. never seen before. This looks like I'm going to guess in the Vatican or somewhere in Europe or I don't know. Okay, I'm going to send you a second picture. Okay. Is this another priest? Okay, yeah. Roma. Okay, so I'm going to say yes, Vatican. Okay, just a third one. And I want you to tell me what you think they have in common. These are like, are these like young, attractive priests or something? Yes. (laughs) This is from a calendar that it's apparently a huge publishing hit called the Hot Priest Calendar. (laughs) Are the priests... I have questions. Are the have the Please. priests opted into this, or is somebody grabbing photos of priests and being like, "Sorry, Father, you're in this calendar." These are very good questions, and that what this whole article is about. But basically, there's this guy. What's his name? His name is Potsy, and he makes this calendar and everyone's wondered he's like where are these priests why are they so hot why are they posing for this what is the deal so it has recently come out that a they're not all priests sometimes okay. he reuses priests from year to year different <laughs> pictures but basically he like hangs out in rome and takes pictures of people who look like priests what oh my gosh <laughs> some Amazing. of them are He's like gone to places where there are a lot of priests. Like there's a parade of a procession for Holy Week in Seville. Uh, so there's, but he just, he kind of hangs out. Um, the photographer Piero Pazzi is 60 years old. He's Venetian. <laughs> and he says it is a clean and honest product that simply advertises Rome and its most eloquent symbol, the Catholic clergy. Um, he's like an old man. Is he, I'm, is he gay? I'm assuming he's gay. How does he have an eye for for dreamy priests it does not identify in this i mean they're very attractive they're kind of smoldery i guess in an italian priest kind of way yeah especially it, these are all black and white and like the way it's been really some of them it's like the way it's been kind of cropped or something yeah so the vatican won't acknowledge this calendar <laughs> is it just the money just goes to this artist or is it like a fundraiser for something so th- i'm glad you asked uh so th- <laughs> me too <laughs> The profits go to SNAP, a support group for women and men abused by religious and institutional authorities. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are printed by a specialist and distributed in an artisanal way. So I don't know how you distribute something in an artisanal way. Like, <laughs> like artisanal cheeses? Yeah. It's like, is it wrapped in cheese? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> He's at farmer's markets. Right. So he doesn't think that the priests have led to a lifetime of fame by being included in the the calendar because they are priests after all he says not film stars so all right so i just needed you to know that this exists there's hot priest calendar out there and if you get one ever the profits are going to a worthy cause well that's fine then sounds yeah. okay yeah and then there's some downer news but i don't know if we want it downer news there's always downer news so the Vatican just defrocked an American priest. So yeah, this guy's a anti-abortion extremist, very political, MAGA-y, and uh, has done some really outrageous things, like he put a fetus on the altar. Oh, Sorry, I should have like asterisked. So basically the Vatican said that was a bridge too far, which I did not know one could do that, but they were kind of accepting of a lot of insanity. So good for them. Yeah, so somebody decided that he was not good for the Catholic, you know, vibe and not very Catholic-y. The time I read this article, I also saw a post by Catholics for Choice 
There's a statistic. I don't know where their research is from, but I, I find them to be a reputable organization. Mm-hmm. But it says one in one in four abortions have been had by a Catholic woman or Catholic person. So, and I read these two articles in conjunction. I'm like, yeah. So if you're in this, there's people he's preached to that have had to listen to him uh, do insane things. So he has been defrocked and now they're trying to appeal, but there is, I don't think there is even a pro. I think if you're defrocked, you're done. Like good, good riddance. I'm sure there's a plenty of religions that'll take him on. So I don't think he's without a home. I was going to say, maybe he'll go to the evangelicals or something, but right. You know. But uh, yeah, no more Catholics. So good news, bad news, I guess. Like he's bad. There we go. Vatican defrocked him. The defrocking is the good news part. The good news. All right. That's all my Catholicism in the news. Well, on to funny stories, I guess. Yes, please. The thing is, I feel like with our podcast, we are often telling funny Catholic stories or like a little bit funny. And I'm like trying to think of what's a new story you haven't heard. Right. I thought of one thing I don't think I've told yet. So my family growing up after my dad uh, was killed in the line of duty as a firefighter. And so we would go, there was a monthly mass specifically for like firefighter families. This was like my weirdo depressing childhood. A lot of the firefighter widows would go to this mass So it was like at this old church, we would have to drive extra long into the city to go to a different church once a month with this priest who was like a pretty nice guy. Anyway, so it was this mass of like fire department families, people connected to the Chicago Fire Department in some way and Catholic. So there was this old, old man who would do the music. I think he just like wanted to. I think he was like a bored, lonely old man. And I don't even think he I don't think he had a connection to the fire department. I think he just liked you know, was like a fan, like probably enjoyed firefighters as a child or something like in that kind of way. Like I like fire trucks and then grew into an old man who was like, I want to be part of your thing. So he was the musician at all the masses, but he was very old and his music taste, there was no like the King of Glory or any of the fun songs. These were like pre-Vatican II songs. That no one knew. They were the droning songs that are the good. Yes, all of those. <laughs> that exactly. You it's like you were there. And so he you would play the picture. he would play the organ and sing these songs, and no one could really follow along. And he sounded, my brother and I <laughs> were usually like the only kids there, and his voice sounded distinctly like the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Yes. <laughs> so if you can imagine the brain the the this sort of like i don't know kind of creepy and intense and he kind of looked he was like small and bony old man and singing these awful dirges like it already is like a weird depressing reason that we are there my brother and i and like this is the music and he was like not i don't know he just wasn't very like social it wasn't like hey how's it going afterwards he was like sort of quiet and intense old Mm -hmm. man And there was one day where somebody's like grandson was there, like this little two-year-old, and he toddled up to the organ, like in the middle of mass. And this old man looked at him and just said, scram. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want your kind here. (laughs) This poor little toddler. And my brother and I started laughing so hard. But we were not in trouble because also we looked around and like the adults were also laughing because it was just a bizarre reaction for this old man to have in the middle of mass. The worst is when like the laughing in church is so hard because once you start, Uh it's hard 
office job and it's inappropriate, but how do you get it back? When I sit down to think of a story, I'm like, I don't know anything. And then as we're talking about different topics, memories come up. So just trying to think of a story, it was hard for me. I do remember, uh, so I always got uh, scent or aroma triggered migraines. I still kind Ooh. of do, but especially that when I was at- sound good. No, I, I could never go hang out at the mall because there were too oh, many yeah. scents. So many scents. As a child of the 80s and early 90s, not to be able to hang out at the mall was quite a travesty. Yeah, so what else are you going to do? It was rough. It was hard for me to make friends. But, uh, yeah, I could not go to, into a mall. So we were in church and they did the frankincense. You know where they go up and down oh, the aisle? Yeah, and they like shake the thing. I would get so mad every time they did that because it was it was always so thick and intense. It's an intense smell and it's like an acquired taste type of a smell. Oh, it's just a lot. And I just like, I can, yeah, I can taste it. It's like, mm-hmm. I, so I just looked at my mom and she goes, just go. So I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom or whatever. So I went out to the lobby of the church while they're doing this part because it's just, it's painful for me. Sure. So I went to the bathroom and I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I realized that there's like these stained glass, like tall, long windows. This is at St. Margaret Mary in Florida. And there were these long windows and that they opened. I don't know why I never saw that they opened. And it was eighth grade. And I was in this like phase of thinking it was cool to sneak out of places. So I decided to sneak out the window. I was like, I'll go for a walk down because it's like on this like main street section. I know exactly. I don't know if you can hear him. He's having Your child cannot believe this is the beginning of many stories that he just cannot believe. So I just was like, I'm going to sneak out. And I was like, I'm going to take a walk down the street in the middle of church. I felt so badass. I love that you didn't go out the door. You're like, I will exit no, I through a window. Out the window. It wouldn't have been wor- It wouldn't have been cool if I went out the door. I was like, I need fresh air. I'm, I will go out so the window because cool. I'm sneaking out of church. I'm like, I'm walking around town and I'm trying to think like, how long can I be gone for? You know, because it, it could be the whole thing. I could say my you know headache hurt and... Sure. Just hanging out. But out. So there are multiple priests. You know, they took rotating turns at this church. I uh-huh. know it's not as true anymore. At least around here, there's one priest per church. But at this no, time. No, there used to be tons. Right. So Father Walsh was giving the service, during the service. And um, Father Bob, I think I've mentioned before. You have mentioned. Right. Your I family friend. He was not, you know, serving at that time. So... Uh, I'm walking around all of a sudden I hear Stephanie. I'm like, oh no. It's Father Bob. I was like, hi. We're caught by a priest. And we just chit-chatted. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, he's going to know I snuck out of church. He's going to know. But I'm just like, yeah, dad's fine. Where are they? Oh, they're, you know, they're right. Because we live not far from the from the church. I'm like, they're just at home. Or, you didn't, we're not at church. They're not in church. And I don't sneak out. <laughs> I just sort of chatted. And I was like, okay, I got to go. Bye. And like I ran back and, and I wish I could do why I snuck back in through the window <laughs> because that was the only way in. Cannot enter through the door. But I remember I was looking around to see if Father Bob followed me or. Oh man. And those feel like a huge transgression at the time. Oh, You're like, I, I felt- skipped out on mass. That's like a sin. Such a rebel. Oh, such a rebel. That was my big moment. I was like, yeah, I did this thing. And then I remember 
in high school, I was burning incense at one point or someone was burning incense in my room and my mother was like, okay, you're never allowed to leave church again because <laughs> you're burning incense. It's basically the same thing, but it's yeah. not. It's still it different. wasn't at all. It was much lighter scented, but yeah. no, she sure. was she was like, you're never allowed to leave the no lobby because that's always my way out. I was like, oh, they're doing incense again. I got to go. Bye. <laughs> but I, that was she the only strategy. time I snuck out of the, the window for sure. That is very funny. I thought I was very cool in eighth grade. I could go cool. to the mall, but I was couldn't go to the mall. You could sneak out a window. That's right. That's right. So we got a couple. We got a couple stories from listeners. Great. This first one is was just emailed in. This is from Liz. Okay. It says my friend and I were probably nine at the time, and it was the consecration. So we're in mass. Okay. Mm-hmm. The priest said, "Only say the word, and you shall be healed." I have. I have a commentary on that but i'll i'll save it the priest said only say the word and you shall be healed so i turned to my friend and said what's the word and she replied eat me (laughs) we could not contain our laughter the remainder of mass and got in so much trouble (laughs) oh nice being at mass with a friend is the worst because you can't help but get the giggles yes those situations, like I had a friend who every time I slept over, it was like, okay, if we sleep over on a Saturday, we're definitely going to mass together. And it's going to be trouble. It was always trouble, especially as we got older, because this continued like in high school. That was still the rule. Yes. And it's, that's hilarious. That's like a, that's actually very, <laughs> that's a mature dro- joke to make it nine. And that's hilarious. And it, oh, wow. That is good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know at what level they understood that joke, but it's funny no matter what. <laughs> My friends and I in high school, did you ever see as when you were younger, the Dane, Dane Cook, who I'm going to, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes for those who can't see me, but uh-huh. we did used to watch Dane Cook. Uh, he yeah, was one he was. of like the first comedians who had like a comedy special. I feel like everybody was seeing. Uh-huh. I don't know if we had it on, someone who recorded it on VHS probably or something. He had a whole bit about Catholic mass. Did you ever see that? No. We thought it was hilarious i mean i'm not gonna try to do dane cook's bit he has a bit about i will not whatever it won't go well he has he has a bit about um the sign of peace and he's like you know it's the sign of peace because the priest says peace like seven times he's like there's a the peace and the peace and the peace i give you and there's a piece of lint my peaceful eye and like we thought that was hilarious and the other part is about communion and he's like then all of a sudden there's snacks like all of a sudden the priest is like time for yum yums i made snacks we thought (laughs) that was so funny so it was like impossible for someone to not kind of do the bit under their breath during that point in mass so we would just quietly do the dane cook bit and it was like shut up that's what it is it's it's true though it's real (laughs) Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say, this is just my nerdy, I don't know, dramaturg slash yes. lapsed Catholic self. The only say the word and I shall be healed. Mm-hmm. We all know that from mass, right? Yes. It's right before communion. Do you know where that's from in the gospel? I don't know. Do you know where that's from? Actually, guessing it's like, is that, I don't know, Last Supper? No, it is not. It is taken oh. totally out of context. Oh. And what it is. There, it is when I don't remember which gospel. It is when a centurion, so a Roman, not a, not a Jew, a Roman. So in the Catholic Bible, it says that his servant, or the one that we use, it says like his servant is sick, and so he, Jesus comes to 
cure the servant and he says to him like lord i'm not worthy to receive you in my house but only say the word in my servant shall be healed so it's switched i'm not worthy to receive you in my house because like i'm a pagan roman guy but if you your word will heal my servant so first of all it's taken totally out of context oh wow i mean like that's not they changed the word to be like i shall be healed but also a lot of biblical scholars say that what he says is my boy is sick and what that what a lot of people are saying is that was his boyfriend, his lover. And Jesus went and healed this guy's, this pagan guy's lover. And so a lot of gay clergy are like, that's the point where Jesus is like, okay with someone being gay. And he like just heals the guy. I am a gape. Uh, and we say it every time, every time at mass. And no one's like, hey, a lot of people think this is actually Jesus saying it's cool to be gay. I have so we need a whole other episode about this. I have a lot of questions. That's wild. Right? Who gets to write this mask thing? Just take it from any point in the Bible. Okay. It they told they even changed the word. They changed the and I shall be healed and he should be, they changed the pronouns, Steph. They just cha- they don't just believe in pronouns. pronouns. They just change your pronouns. Now who's changing <laughs> pronouns now? <laughs> Wow. I know. Okay. I just, I've been so good at not asking questions and just repeating (laughs) things for the majority of my life. I've never uh, thought deeply about literally anything I said at mass pretty much. When I read the article, I read something about that line in the Bible being used to talk about homosexuality. I was like, hold up. I recognize that line. Do a little research. Crazy, crazy pants. Okay. Let's listen to a voicemail. Yes, please. Hi, my name is Angela Collier, and I'm calling to tell you a funny story about church. I have two. One, um, I was an altar server at a mass, which was kind of a big deal. So there were a lot more people in attendance than there usually would have been. Father Andrew Greeley, who you might ring a bell to you, and because um, he's Irish Catholic, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, cool priest. Um, hopefully... You know, he stayed cool. Um, anyway, so I was serving the Mass, and I was always on the right-hand side, if you're looking at the altar, the right-hand side where the priest is, because I was the altar server that, like, always showed up and, like, knew what the fuck to do. Part of my French. Anyway, um, so I was, like, following along, and there's a rhythm to Mass. Like, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. So I was following along, half paying attention, half not paying attention, half super focused on what I was supposed to do. And I, like, got up a little too early to end the Mass. And I just, like, stood there with the book in front of Father Andrew Greeley with, like, you know, 100 people watching me, whereas usually there would be, like, 25. I'm just standing there with the book, standing there, standing there waiting for him to close out the mass and like a bunch of people kept talking and I'm like, I'm just standing here. I'm just standing here with the giant Bible in front of the priest. And it didn't end. And I think he was like, looked at me and was like, you can go sit down. Okay. And I went and sat back down and was like, Oh God, this is horrible. And I think I sat next to another person who was like, what were you doing? And I was like, shut up. Meanwhile, I'm dying on the inside because I'm, like, 12 and awkward as it is, not to mention, like, in front of a quasi-famous priest, in front of my entire neighborhood, and I'm holding a giant book. Also, I had a bad haircut. 
and bad glasses at the time. It was all kinds of awkward. Anyway, I go up. Finally, he, like, beckons me. He's like, okay, now, now's the time to come up. I'm like, okay. So I bring the giant back book back up. And he was like, what's your name? I said, Angela. And he was like, this is Angela, everyone. She's, she, she's our altar server today. I think she's doing a wonderful job. And I was inside. I was like, please just kill me now. Please, please, Jesus, look at me trade places. Jesus, please, I'll take your place up there. Just get rid of me right now. And that was the end of that. There was another time in church. It was me, a dad, a mom, my sister. We're all sitting in church doing the thing, whatever, pray this, do that, blah, 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 blah. And it gets to kind of a quiet part in the mass when there is a baby a few rows behind us. Maybe like a little kid or a toddler, a very young child, suddenly goes, and of course, my mom and I start going, and then we both start giggling. And then we both start trying really hard not to giggle because we're giggling when you shouldn't be giggling, which makes you laugh even harder. And then my dad looks over and he's like, what are you doing? And then, of course, we're like, <clears throat> you know, laughing real hard because now it's just hilarious. And my dad was like, stop it. And then my mom and I, we, we controlled ourselves, we, you know. But it was hilarious. Anyway. Hope that's, hope that's a good story. Eh, it might not be. Anyway, talk to you later. Bye. That laughing in church thing. It's the laughing in church. Angela is a good friend of mine, by the way. Uh-huh. So it's nice to call in. But yeah. So Andrew Greeley was a priest who also wrote some novels, I think. Oh. He had a column, I think, in the Chicago Sun-Times. Could have been the Tribune. Uh, probably Sun-Times. Wow. That's why he was famous. Okay. Got yeah. It. So he was like well known amongst the the Catholics, especially in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. Poor Angela. Altars. That's intense to mess up up there. Were you an altar server? No. I. When did the switch to allowing girls happen? Oh, I could look it up. Oh. Okay. It was only nineteen ninety March nineteen ninety four. That's what I say. I think it happened. I remember okay. it not being a thing and all of a sudden it was like all these kids got to be altar servers i could have been an altar server that's what i remember okay. so i was surprised it wasn't yeah so 94 i'd already made my confirmation by right. then so it would have been beyond i was not allowed so i've that's weird because that would have been when i was in fourth grade or i would have been in third grade in march no oh, i guess i had some other things going on but uh i don't i don't remember that being a big deal it must have been there must have been conversation like oh girls can be altar servers now although like i said i remember being real peeved i didn't want to be an altar server though i remember my mom being like oh do you want i was like no like i don't understand what's exciting about that i think if that was an option to me given the amount of time i liked to be in front of people performing i would have absolutely done it and i would have been the worst i would have been hamming it up well, I feel like aesthetically, it actually, I don't know. It's like wearing the like robe thing and yeah. then you, the way that they hold the book. Like I do find that I've actually, when I directed the vagina monologues in college, <laughs> I uh, used that. I borrowed that. I had someone come and hold a book in that way. And that was totally what I was like. I don't know. There's oh, something about it that I very theatrical. like, oh, super, you know, college me. I was just, I was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> social commentary there. Yes. Uh I do feel like little kids in church are a foil in terms of like uh, laughing. Like I remember a Christmas mass where this kid 
we were with friends again it's when you're with we were with like family friends standing mm-hmm. we were at mass and this little boy in front of us had created some kind of like world with his little dinosaurs and was like explaining it to us like in the middle of mass yes. and at some point like one of us just started laughing and then every then it's just like dominoes you just go down yes Little kids, little little babies. Am I right, Xavier? He little babies, such it. a distraction. Oh gosh, I was thinking about taking him to mass for Christmas, but I was like, nah, we're not ready. Feels like a lot. It would just be trying to, yeah. I don't, I don't know how people do it. It would not be fun for him or for anybody. So it's funny. I heard from two of my aunts. Ah, yes. <laughs> In our call for funny stories on either side of the family. Uh, There's a similar theme sort of that you will see. And I think both of these a little bit fall into the category of like tragedy plus time equals comedy, which nice for Catholics or raised Catholics of our parents' generation. I feel like that is often the case. I don't know if you feel that way. Like some of the Catholic school stories are like, oh, that sounds like trauma. And they're like, it's so funny. And you're like, okay, if that's how we have to cope, we all have to cope somehow. And you know what? They had to cope that way. So. My aunt Kathleen, not to be confused with my aunt Kathy on my dad's side. Wow. <laughs> you know, Irish Catholics all over the place. You get some some name overlap. Uh, <laughs> my aunt Kathleen said, Sister Emily wouldn't get off my poster board. So after asking her to get off of it about 10 times, I slapped her. Boy, <gasps> Grandma Marcy. Um, yeah. So I had heard about this. And Sister Emily was my music teacher in third grade. Wow, she'd been around. She had been around. And I actually remember her, at least when she had me, she was pretty pleasant. I think this was at a time where she hit kids regularly uh, ah. when my aunt had her, but not not when I had her. I, I, I asked for some follow-up. I asked if she you know, remembered more about this. She said, we were decorating poster boards for the Stations of the Cross for Mass around Easter. Mine was when Jesus fell the first time. I love that she remembers the specificity of her poster board. Amazing. Uh, I was in eighth grade. I was in the library. And after I slapped her, Sister Carmel, I I think that was like the head nun, I don't know, grabbed me by my ear and told me to go to the principal's office. You know, that didn't scare me. I had my own seat in there anyway. (laughs) Mom came down one hall and stand down the other. And there I sat. LOL. I didn't even get any real punishment, but getting grounded for life for about the 50th time. So (laughs) (laughs) I like her. She's great. I'm going to see her on Christmas. I want to say a couple things. First of all, knowing my personal knowledge of like the timeline of her life and her parents' divorce and then her mom remarrying and their grandfather who lived with them dying. I just want to say she had reason to be angry at the world. So I'm not mad at eighth grade Kathleen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not a proponent of, of assaulting your teacher. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do but that, also, please. I feel like maybe there was some. Just some stuff going on. It's hard to be a 13-year-old with a lot of stuff happening in your life. Right. If she just said, I hit my teacher, I'd be like, oh, come on. Don't do that. But uh, something about like slapping a nun for being on your Stations of the Cross poster board feels right. I don't know why. You know. But yes. (laughs) Well, and my poor aunt, her mom worked at the rectory. Her stepfather was the band teacher at the school. Both her mom and her her stepfather worked at the school she could get away with anything and the parish that's, a that's lot like the word that is a lot that's a lot anyway aunt kathleen well wow. i'm sorry i but apparently it made an impression i love that she still remembers which station of the cross it was it's amazing 
she was working hard on it. Obviously, she just she needed to work on it. Like, come on, right? sister, just do it at work. Now I have another one from this is from my aunt Jean, my dad's sister. So other side of the family. So she says, I'm not so sure this is a funny story to share. However, at the time, <laughs> it sounds like like at the time it was. That's all Catholic stories. Yeah. yeah. So she says, when I was in fourth grade at St. Thomas More grade school on the south side of Chicago, it was a funny giggly moment I will never forget. My name's Jean McNamee. I'm a proud aunt of your host, Ann McNamee. Aw, thanks, Aunt Jean. Aw. Growing up, I was also a huge fan of my older brother of four years, Steve, Ann's father. My simple Catholic story involves my brother, Steve, a nun by the name of Sister Elvira. She sounds evil. Sister Elvira? Elvira? Sister Elvira. Elvira? Elvira? Uh, And me, a fourth grade kid at the time in Catholic grade school. One day, I forgot my brown bag lunch at home. So my mom gave it to my brother, Steve, who was in eighth grade, to bring to school to give it to me. He brings it to my classroom about 8.30 a.m. and stands at the door of the classroom with the lunch bag. He looks at the back of the room and sees Sister Sister Alvira, who's maybe four foot two or three at best, oh man, <laughs> on a step stool trying to get something out of a coat locker. These lockers are kid-sized. So <laughs> that's funny. She can't reach a kid-sized thing because she's v- even smaller than the kids. For whatever reason, this just struck a funny nerve with my brother Steve, seeing this short little nun who had a bad rap as a mean nun, and you all know what I'm talking about. Using a step stool to reach into a kid's locker. It just gave my brother Steve the giggles. Just giggles. Sister Elvira looks back at my brother Steve, stepped off her stool, came to the front of the classroom door where Steve was standing and giggling with my lunch bag in hand, and she slapped him across the face (gasps) for laughing at her. I felt bad for giggling for a second myself, and then I don't feel so bad. Okay. He says, like I said, funny question mark. Wow. (laughs) uh did she have steve in a prior class and didn't like him don't think so everyone loves steve teachers love steve steve and i laughed about it after school but never mentioned it to her mom or dad which is probably a smart move don't ever get into it with a short mean catholic nun you won't win wow did needed a step stool to get into the locker but then just up and got him across the face i i mean i i think we can understand i think that gives more context to why my aunt kathleen was slapping a nun because this was common practice for nuns to slap kids Wow. It is wild that that is how discipline used to happen in schools. Just get that ruler out. Everyone needed tools. Everyone needed therapy. Therapy for everybody. Everybody. Free therapy. Catholic, that's what the Catholic <laughs> Church should offer. Therapy to everybody. But they have confession, Steph. Same thing. <laughs> Basically <laughs> the same. Just go in a box. Feel bad about yourself. That's right. All right. Do you think Sister Elvira confessed that? I don't think she did. He was teaching. It was it was a life it's a lesson. Moment, yeah. No giggling at short nuns. Ugh. Wow. Listener Lisa also sent us um, a funny story about teaching teaching CCD. I think. <gasps> nice. And it was about bringing real candles in and then recognizing that children and candles do not mix. Which <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. Well, thank you. Thank you to all who sent in your stories. Yes, thank you. It was wonderful to hear voices, hear different perspectives. Really great. For our special collection today, given the weather that we are having here and I think kind of everywhere in the country right now, I am thinking a lot about unhoused people and how they're going to fare in this. So I thought we could do a special collection for an organization trying to end homelessness and prevent homelessness. That would be great. Yeah. Housingforward.org is one that I, is does a lot of work locally where I am. And so I will put a, a link in our show notes. Great. Awesome. Do you have any recommendations for this holiday season? Uh, 
I have one I just listened to. It's not holiday themed, well, but no. uh, <laughs> we've got downtime to explore. I guess is what they mean. I think I previously recommended Glennon Doyle and Abby Wembuck's podcast with Tig Notaro was on with her wife. Now I'm going to recommend Tig Notaro's podcast. Don't ask Tig. Abby Wambach came on uh, solo and they give advice, but they talk at the top about both growing up Catholic. Um, Abby Wambach went to an all girls Catholic high school. I sounds like it was much more traumatic for Abby and it sounds like less so for Tig. Tig was sort of like, we were very casually Catholic. Uh, it sounds like Abby's family was a little more intensely Catholic and they're both, you know, queer women. So yeah, that was, but anyway, they, they do go into a bit about Catholic school and Catholic upbringing at the top of the show. So I do recommend that. What about you? Okay. So I'm trying to pull up a good one right now. So have you heard of chat GPT? It's the AI that's sweeping the nation. Yeah, it can like do everything and can like make your grocery list and like write your CV and like. Yeah, you can type in like, give me a recipe that includes like these three things in my pantry and it'll find something. My husband and I have been using it to rewrite like the Ten Commandments or a parody of the Our Father. So my gosh, I haven't even gotten involved in this bot. I need to, I guess. So let's say, I'm going to try this one, see if it's any good, because sometimes they're not great. So I wrote in parody of Our Father Prayer for Drag Queens. Oh. Okay. So let's see if it comes up with anything good. Ah, okay. So it sort of rewrites itself. So it says, here's a parody of Our Father Prayer that celebrates the creativity, strength, and resilience of drag queens. It came up with all of those great things on its own. Love it. And it's really nothing until the end here. But it says, may this prayer be a reminder of the beauty, talent, and courage that drag queens bring to the world. May it also be a call to action and to support and uplift all members of the LGBTQIA plus community, especially those who feel face discrimination and marginalization. The robot could lead a prayer service. That sounds beautiful. It's been fun to sort of do some parodies of prayers and Ten Commandments, but also I'm like, I just want to rewrite a couple of this. So it includes my points of view. Sure. Like do the Ten Commandments, but make it social justice oriented. I love that that's what you're doing with this robot. I love that. I feel like what one does with such a robot sort of like tells us who we are. As a lapsed Catholic, I'm like, this is giving me uh, the rewriting of history that I, I needed. So I encourage anyone with uh, any hangups about the Catholic Church, just go into chat GPT and rewrite the story. Amazing. Okay. Well, let's try that out. Maybe we can do that for an episode. I don't know. Oh, it's really fun. I have, we, uh, I've always obsessed trying to figure out how the who's know about Christmas. Every time I watch the Grinch, I'm like, (laughs) who told them about Jesus? What is the missionary that got to the, like, it's like the thing that goes around in my head. That's what I'm thinking about. These are the dramaturgical questions we need answered. I asked the robot and it came up with some pretty fascinating, uh, discourse. Well, there you go. All of your theological queries finally answered. Ask the robot. Yep. Ask the robot. Okay. (laughs) Steph and Xavier. There he is. Look at my chappier. Uh, And also with you. Also with you, Anne. 